Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Schoenemann alongside Pete Robertson. Hello. How are you doing? Hey, Pete, make sure people check out our website at riotpodcast.co.co. Yeah. So if you're listening to us, you can check it out. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you and hit that subscribe button. Yeah, go to like the Riot Podcast and look for three people because we are three of us. Yeah, Bob, Barry, and Pete. Same thing with Facebook and Instagram. That's right. Look for the crazy picture and you will find us. And we're on Twitter too. We are? Yeah. What's, What's Twitter? I don't know. The same. Tweet? I think the right podcast. Do you still tweet? I am on it every day. He is. Um, it's Pastor Pete. Yeah. D- Pastor Pete. <laughs> Just give away your handle. Sorry. That's it. <laughs> Find me. Pastor Pete at Twitter. I don't even know how it yeah. goes. But anyway, check out our social media platforms if you're listening to us on a podcast and or even if you're watching us. So we would love to love to do that. So Pete, man, we had a, guys, we went to a hockey game on Friday night. Yeah, it was fun. I really enjoyed that. It was nice and cold in there. It was a great time. I, you know, I haven't been to many hockey games. Shout out to Roger for hooking Roger, us up. Roger, thanks for yeah. setting that up. Amazing yeah. seats. That was really cool. Those were like leather and comfortable. Yeah, we were in box seats was, or something. It was. We were on that floor where there was like, you could, there was like nothing there. They're like was, checking your ticket, making sure you really yeah, belong only, there. It was only fancy stuff there. I think that's what heaven's going to be like. You're going to get there and they're like, we're going to be like, sure what? you really belong here. Where's your ticket? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were a little more strict. Fun. I, Pete, I had something really cool happen to me on Thursday. What? And uh, I was just, I was walking through downtown Orlando, leaving a meeting, and this guy comes up to me with his hand open with, you know, just kind of like a handful of change, and it was really loud. There was construction going on, so I couldn't hear him. So like three times, I'm like, what, what? And maybe I'm just deaf. I don't know. But anyway, I got, re- I got really close to him, <laughs> and he, he was just saying, I'm, I'm hungry, and, you know, do you have any change? I'd like to get something to eat. And I didn't have any any change, but I opened up my wallet and uh, I pulled out. I had one bill in there, just a ten dollar bill, no big deal. And I tried to give it to him, and he's like, "No, you can't. I can't take that. That's all your money." And I'm just like, "No, no, it's it's fine. You know, take it. I I'll be fine. I don't need I don't need the money." And he's like, "No, no, no, I can't take it. It's it's too much." And I'm like, "No, please." I go, "Look, th- this isn't coming from me. If it were me, I would have just ignored you and walked on." I go, "But you know, God told me to stop and and talk with you." And so I gave him the ten dollars, and I was like, "What what what's your name?" And he's like. Douglas and I'm like Douglas do you mind if I pray with you and Pete the coolest thing happened so I'm praying with Douglas and I get we get I get done praying with him and he's just bawling his he just got tears running down his cheek and he's like man I wish there were more people like you in this world talk about a blessing Pete I was like on cloud nine the rest of the day just because I was obedient and that's not that's like out of my comfort zone I don't I don't do that enough and I don't know why, because I'm always afraid I'm not going to know what to say or what to do. And honestly, God just, you know, he gives you the words. And I'm like, why am I so afraid of it? That was so joyful. And I'm literally, the rest of the day, I'm just like loving, just God, you are amazing. It you are me, so good. And when you told me that the first time, I I was really encouraged. And then again, it was a reminder to me, again, what our purpose is in our life is to always be available to whatever God is doing. But I, I, I took it as like it was an angel of God. And, you know, where the Bible says that, you know, take heart because maybe any other time you might be able to entertain angels, you know, it says in Hebrews. And I, uh, I thought of it like that because what was the purpose? So the purpose was the guy, the guy was broken, the guy was humble, but more importantly is that 
he, he encouraged you. He spoke life into you. And then at the same time, God was glorified in the whole thing. And then, again, that's, that's kind of what an angel's thing is, is they're a helper of God. And, and I think the story that you're sharing is, again, a testimony to all of us that there's, God is always at work everywhere. Yeah. He is always at work. And, and, and if we are the children of God, that we are constantly aware that he is doing something somewhere, somehow, and that we just would be able to be obedient and just. I didn't share this with you earlier, but as I'm driving back home, you know, what kept, what really struck me, and honestly, tears started coming to my eyes as well, um, was the verse, I don't, I don't know where it is, but there, there's a place where it says, what you did to the least of those, you did to me or did for me. Yeah. That's what that's what was kind of ringing through my head as yeah. I, as I was driving home and I'm just like you know, yeah. I just thank you Lord for letting me be obedient. Yeah, I think I had like an angel experience too. So we went to the cheesecake factory the wife and I and and as I was there I had to go out to my car and I was coming back and I was opening up the door to go in and I was getting ready to go in and shut it back and I saw that this lady was coming. So I stopped for a second and I kept the door open to allow her to come out. But she said something to me, and it wasn't a lot, but what it said to me was this. She was, she was, she had this gentle, kind spirit. She was humble. She was um, like filled with this goodness and joy. I don't, I can't describe it. And, and when she said, thank you very much or whatever it is, it like pierced my heart. And it was, it was different. It wasn't your normal, like, thank you. It like, it impacted me. And, and afterwards I, I told my wife, I said, there was just, it was something supernatural. It was like, it was like divine. And, um, and it just, it just made me praise the Lord. And, and, a, and again, a testimony was, I want to be like that. I want to be like uh, humble and broken and contrite. And, and when I say thank you, that, that people really feel or know that, Hey, this is, you know, I'm just thank you, thankful, you know? Cool. Yeah. God is I mean, good. I, I was I mean, and I told you the same thing. I was afraid to share the story because I'm like, I, I don't want it to come. I'm not saying I didn't because that wasn't me. I that's not something I would do. Um, but I hope that by sharing the story, it maybe encourages other people to, to just man, just look for opportunities. Um, yeah, don't try it all around us. We just gotta look. We gotta be. It's so hard. We got to get our eyes off of ourselves and and start looking at other people like Jesus looks at people. I think. I, I think that Satan lies to us and says, "Oh, they're just going to use the money for drugs, or they're going to use the money for alcohol, or whatever." Yeah. And don't get into that. If the Lord is moving in your heart to do something, then do it, and don't try to overanalyze it. Just know that you're doing it in obedience to God. And and there's so many hurting people out there. There's so many people that like this lady that need to bless that you just want to bless them you just want to encourage them i i go out of my way to say be blessed you know that's my thing i say be blessed but i go out of my way to bless people you know and and i've had people say thank you so much for the blessing as is you're welcome may god be with you and go with you and may may his face shine upon you you know and i and i'm always looking for ways to just bring god's blessing upon people and so that's a way and so yeah don't let satan lie to you don't let no. him to you know, you be obedient to the Lord. You go out of your way to just be a blessing to people. So we're we're back in the book of John again uh, this week. Yes. Last week we talked about, uh, uh, we were in John 2, talked about the, the wedding at Cana, right? Yeah, and, miracles. Uh, a miracle. What ha- there was water in the wine. And, yeah. But uh, I, don't get don't get lost in, in the wine part. I like how, how that section ends, and it's just, 
it was God, it was Jesus revealing to his disciples who yeah, he was. Yeah. And that that's the part it was just, man, there, well, and there was so much in that story that we kind of, we, we broke down parts of it, but study it for yourself. There is so much. And well, that, that there's miracles happening every day. That was yeah. the other thing that we talked about. Like we had a comment on our Facebook this week where a guy's like, what a joke, you know? And I, I responded to what a joke for what? What do you please talk to me? Tell you gotta me. be kidding. I think yeah, is what you he gotta said. be kidding me. Yeah, and I was like, tell me what is what are we kidding about? I want to know, you know. And I, I I love engaging our comments. Yeah. Because what I was gonna say is, is can you tell me without a shadow of a doubt that you that there is no miracles happening today? Can you tell me without a shadow of a doubt that there isn't something supernatural that has happened? That could you tell me that's never happened? And you can't tell me that because that's not true. And can you tell me that 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 there's not been lives that have been actually changed that were one way and that are completely different because of what God did? Could you not tell me that? And and I know I the answer. I see your to comments. This. I got to check that out. Yeah, but I, I the guy didn't engage with me too much. No, but I would have, and I love that. So if you're comment, if you have like one a question or you want to bag on us, you go know, for it. since you brought it up before <laughs> we get started, I, I, so I saw that comment too, and I was like looking at his profile and looking at some of his posts in the past. Maybe you can answer this for me. So he's he's clearly a devout atheist, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Which okay, this blows me away. So atheists say that they're like, I can't believe you believe in an invisible God, right? But they worship something that doesn't exist, right? I, that doesn't make any sense. They to believe me. in something. <laughs> they believe in something. They, they just won't they call it though. God. Yeah, oh, I, I know. know. It's so weird. Yeah. There's there's a there's a the joke is on us supposedly but I mean again it's like your faith is fudo and all that stuff but I always ask so what do you have faith in do you have faith that you that chair is going to hold you up because you have faith in that chair you have to have faith in something and so I always just tell them that there's you know that when you're saying that I don't believe or whatever but listen I can my testimony to you Mr Atheist is that my life has been transformed yeah. my my testimony to you is that I once was blind but now I see. You know, that's my testimony to you. My testimony is I once hated you and now I love you. I mean, that that's supernatural. I don't care what you say. There's something big there. So you can, you can, you're giving me hate and that's, that's the choice in the life that you lived. And that's, and you're evil. I mean, you have evil in you or your hatred or angry or whatever else. That's fine. That's your choice. I choose to love you. And, and I don't choose to love you in my own willpower. I choose to love you because my life has been changed by Jesus, by God, by right. something that you say is not real. So, so how could you tell me that that's not real? So anyway. It's crazy. Sorry. Side note. No, that's true, though. That's Squirrel. good. That's a good thing. <laughs> All right. Let's get to going. All right. Let me give you the, um, let me give you the title, and then we'll open up in prayer. Okay. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is what is your heart saying? And uh, the, the text that we're going to be in today is John chapter 2. That sounds like a song. What is your heart right? saying? It might be. Right. Verses 13 right. <laughs> through 25. But uh, before we jump into the opening statement, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we, we love you and we give you this show today. Thank you for uh, the, the conversation. Thank you for the encounters this week, Father. I pray that uh, our listeners have had many of those same type of encounters and uh, that they would even maybe share those with us at, at some point, Lord. But uh, most importantly, Lord, we just want to point people to you today as we talk about uh, the story about uh, Jesus going into the temple, Lord. And uh, I know it's like everybody's heard the story. Uh, I just pray that uh, we can just... Get a glimpse of what you are trying to teach us through this today, Lord. Yeah. So would you be with us today? Guide us, direct us, uh, give us wisdom as we speak, Lord, and uh, just bless our listeners in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So last week we talked about Jesus turning water into wine and how he is still performing miracles every day. Amen. We talked about how to see those miracles and what to look for. 
If you haven't heard the show, go back and listen. It's a great show on miracles. Um, it's also episode 67. Yeah, I so, mean, it really did define miracles that are happening every day. So, I mean, go back and listen to that. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Today we begin our reading with <clears throat> Jesus, his family, his mom and brothers leaving Capernaum. Capernaum. Easy for you to say. Yep. To go to Jerusalem <laughs> for the Passover feast. Each Jewish man was required by law to attend three annual feasts. Can you imagine, Pete, if... Three times a year we had to go to Washington D.C. or something. Yeah. That would be crazy, or Tallahassee because we live in Florida. But we would have to go. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy, right? Yep. Uh, three annual feast at the Holy City. <laughs> of course, Tallahassee and Washington D.C. are not holy cities. No. Um, the Passover, <laughs> Pentecost, and Tabernacles. We will discuss those uh, along with Jesus overthrowing the tables in the temple. And towards the end of our reading, we will see that Jesus has the knowledge of what's in every man's heart. Ooh, that sounds like our title. It is. But before we get into our text, Pete, let's talk about the feast. So first of all, we have the the Passover. Yeah, so let's just give this context because, you know, a lot of our listeners probably like, what is the Passover? What is the, you know, the the tabernacle or the Pentecost kind of feast? What are those in the Bible? And they, they are significant because Jesus was obedient in these and he went to Jerusalem. And so we want to understand context. So, so in our reading today, we're going to talk about the Passover, but let's just go ahead and explain all the three that they had to go to. <laughs> and that will help give us context. Well, the Passover, I understand a little bit because this was, correct me if I'm wrong. So this is Back when, back in Egypt, when uh, the, the firstborn were going to be killed, right? Um, Moses, well, God tells Moses to tell the people to, to take the sacrifice. Was it a goat? Or yeah, yeah, sheep, or, or yeah. sheep yeah. At, at the at the like right at the entryway of your door. They kill it there. They take an isop, which is a I guess a kind of plant. Take it, brush it like a paintbrush. Put it up on the top of the door, right? So they're drawing a line up to the top of the door, Around. front of there, yeah. and then go into the both doorposts. Then the which angel is cool, of which death, kinda, which looks like a cross, right? If yep. you like do it, you know, act it out, it looks like a cross. Those of you who are watching me, watching me on YouTube, you can yeah. see me drawing the cross. Um, and and then the angel of death would, would pass, pass over. over those yeah. houses. Yeah. So that, there's where you get the. Passover. Yeah. So it's a symbolism of uh, deliverance from the slavery of Egypt. So it is a big deal because it's the beginning of a nation. And so you remember, you know, Jacob and, and was, you know, Jacob and Joseph brought, you know, the people into the land of Egypt they in the Gosh or whatever they set up there. And, and so now after, you know, 400 years of captivity or in Egypt, God is now calling them out. And in order to get them out, God had to bring all these plagues on, on to Pharaoh because he wasn't going to let his people go. And so finally, the final, final dagger was he was going to kill all the firstborn. And, and Pharaoh's like, dude, you know, you could have done this on the first plague and you could have let them all go, but he didn't. So he waited to all these plagues and finally the firstborn and Pharaoh's like, yeah, get out of here. So they celebrate. So Israel, so this is Jesus. He's going, he's celebrating the, the deliverance from Egypt. So that's where the Passover is. And, and he's getting, they're getting out of Egypt. They're getting into the wilderness and they're coming to the promised land. So to them, it's a big deal. So it's the beginning of a nation. So, all right, let's go to the next one. Pentecost. Yeah. So I, I learned some stuff today. I, I thought Pentecost was just what happened, you know, in the book of Acts. Acts you know, 2, I, I, yeah. Acts 2. I thought it was that it started there. But no, this is a celebration. Uh, Pentecost is a Greek name for the Festival of Weeks, a prominent feast in the Jewish calendar that celebrated God giving them the Ten Commandments 50 days after the exodus from Egypt, which we just talked about. Right. God instructed his people to celebrate the Festival of Weeks, which was to be held seven weeks, which is 49 days, plus one more for Passover, equaling 50 days. 
Also called the Feast of the Harvest, this was when the Jews would present offerings of the first fruits of their spring crops. Yeah, so again, this is, you know, the Festival of Weeks is a big deal because this is when they were given the creed of how to live. So this is when the law was passed down. So this is what separated Israel from everybody else. So the rest of the land had the laws of the kings. They had the law, their, all of their rules and so forth. But this is what separated Israel from everybody else. This is what made Israel holy. So this is a big deal. So the festival of weeks are saying that, you know, we're praising God for giving us this law, for giving us something that's so different, that so separates us from everywhere else in the world. And so that's why they would celebrate that. So that's that. All right, next one. The tabernacle. The Feast of the Tabernacles or Booths, mm-hmm. or the Feast of the Booths, is a week-long yeah, they, festival. Yeah, a lot of times they call it Sukkot, Sukkot, and okay. that just basically means booths. So they're, they built booths, but yeah, go on. Sukkot? Yeah, Sukkot. <laughs> or Sukkot. It's a, week, it's a week-long festival com, com, commemorating the 40-year journey, journey of the Israelites in the wilderness, beginning on the 15th day of the month of Tishrei, I guess. Right, September, September October. October. Yeah. Five days after the Day of Atonement and at the end of the harvest. The Jewish people built temporary shelters for the feast to remember their deliverance from Egypt by the hand of God. This is Israel's Thanksgiving. So again, it's just a celebration. So they're building up a bunch of booths around and they're, you know, they're celebrating together. They're having a festival like, you know, you go to these small towns or whatever and they have a bunch of booths around. And, like the and, county fair. Huh? Yeah, kind of like. And it's just a celebration. They're just praising, again, God for delivering them out of Egypt. So it's, you know, the festival of the booths, a week-long fall festival. coming, And then that's also the time where they could bring the harvest, you know. So they're thanking God for the harvest. So that's kind of it. But something you said there was a day of atonement. So five days after the day of atonement. So people are like, well, what is the day? Day of Atonement. Well, Day of Atonement is a day, uh, it's called Yom Kippur. So many people have heard this, but this is the highest holy day of the Jewish calendar. You know, in the Old Testament, the high priest made an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the people on the Day of Atonement. The act of paying the penalty for sin brought reconciliation, a restored relationship between people and God. So yeah, Day of Atonement is a big deal. So without the Day of Atonement, they have separation from God. So this holy God, you know, can have nothing to do with sin. There has to be a way to forgive the sins. And so that's where the sacrifice, they would bring their goats, they would bring to the priest and they would sacrifice the blood in the Day of Atonement for their sins. And then they were re- reconnected with God. That's a big deal. It's very detailed. I'm reading through Leviticus right now. And oh it's my like- gosh. <laughs> So are we. It's crazy. Oh my it's gosh. crazy. Like, take the blood of the bull, splash it on oh the altar. My gosh. <laughs> it's so hard to read, but you know, you go through it, there's a reason for it. You gotta understand that God is holy and he set things up a certain way. Yeah. And so for us, you know, again, God has a standard and we are to adjust our life to God's standard. It's not the other way around. So all right. Crazy. Let's read. So let's all read right. John two verses thirteen through seventeen. Um, again, the title is, you know, what is our our heart saying? So let's go for it and dig into it. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins on the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, "'Take these things away.' Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. 
I love that that word there. So it's talking about zeal. You know, we're going to kind of cover that at the very end of our talk here. But you know, we see Jesus revealing his zeal for God by cleansing the temple. You know, a zeal is that passion, basically, right? The priest had established a lucrative business of exchanging foreign money for Jewish currency and also selling the animals needed for the sacrifice. And so, you know, I think at the beginning they were, it was probably like an innocent gesture. Yeah. Because, I mean, they would come and they, they would have the different currency. They would have to change the currency so they can make it a temple temple because they had their own, you know, their own money, their temple money. Um, so they had to, they did that. And then, um, you know, then they would like not have the right goats or the right things, you know, but they should have, the, the people should have prepared that ahead of time. They should have did, gone out of the way and, and, and got that instead of having to come to buy it at the last minute, you know, for the Passover to get their, their sacrificial lamb. Um, but Jesus, he looked differently. Jesus was looking at their heart. So Jesus was, was looking into them and saying, listen, you're not doing this now because it's your heart. You're doing this now because you're greedy and because there's pride and that you're wanting money and you're making God's house instead of a, a house of prayer and a time of reflection and honor and surrender to God. You're like saying, hey, how do we get more money from this? I don't know. What's your thoughts? I, yeah, I, I actually, I, I can picture this being set up like innocently like it was somebody's maybe somebody's ministry they're like hey these people are traveling Absolutely. all this way and and then they get here and they don't have what they need for a sacrifice so i want to i want to be able to bless them I, I, th- that'll be my ministry and then at some point it turns into more than ministry and turns into hey let's turn religion into a profit center let's let's you and i think honestly even today pete i think that's what turns off the world for the church so much people people go to it uh, the, the lost come to the church or the world comes to the church and all they see are the money changers right it's, it's about money and i think we still do this today in many yeah, in and many aspects and what happens is a lot of i mean and again pastors are human as well and so what ended up happening is a pastor looks at his staff looks at the payroll looks at his overhead cost and and he starts thinking, man, the tithe has been down a lot lately, and and how are we going to be able to do these certain events that we have, or how are we going to do our building fund that we have, or how are we going to do all these things? <clears throat> and a pastor starts freaking out a little bit. I mean, this is what happens. And so, a pastor's in the the justification for a pastor is, hey. They're not going to know that they need a tithe because they're baby Christians. So I need to tell them, I need to teach them that they need a tithe. I need to show them that this is the way to do things. And they take ownership of it. And so it's, it's kind of the same thing. So how should a church, how should a church actually go about talking about finances? And, and, and truthfully, here's the truth of the matter is if a church is a, a Bible believing church that's that's balanced and that's l- loving the bo- the body of Christ the way that Christ loved them, then the pastor technically would never ever have to bring up money, because the Holy Spirit will do that. The Holy Spirit would manifest itself in the in the believer's walk and life, and would reveal to them that they are to give money. So the pastor, if he's doing his job properly. He really, he really, you know, needs to leave all that heavy lifting to the Holy Spirit. And, 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 you know, I think a past, I think the best churches are the ones that don't pass the bucket. This is just me. I think the best ones are the ones that put a box in the back. 
I think the best ones are the ones that uh, they get up there and they say, hey, if you, you know, tithe an offering, if you want to give, you can go ahead and give online. You could do the QR code if you want or, um, you know, those are, are given the back of the, you know, back of the church and do that. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying because people do want to give and people are asking the question, how do I give? How do I give? Yeah. But it's not the pastor's responsibility to bring it up over and over again because the church has a bad rap. Let's just admit it. If you're bringing up giving in a in a guilty way or constantly in a sermon every month, you might have a problem. Because when you're teach, if you teach through the what I love is teaching through the Bible in context or chapter to chapter, verse by verse, and you don't have to teach about money until it comes apart that comes upon that time. So, text. like right now, if we were if I was teaching in a church in this this topic, I would bring this up. Yeah. You know, and I would talk about it so that the people of God would hear a balanced approach. And it's, you know, it's not begging. Um, I just think in Adrian Rogers, uh, the the great late Adrian Rogers, anybody knows him, he's an amazing pastor. He's a Baptist pastor. But he said, God doesn't need us to give him our money. He owns everything. Tithing is God's way to grow Christians. And, and again, so that's a testimony to the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit is moving in my heart, then I'm going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, and then I'm going to go ahead and give, and and adjust my my giving to so that God is glorified. Because if you're attending a healthy, balanced church, then then the church is affecting the community for good. The church is is bringing light to the darkness. So we want to continue that, and we want to give to that. So that's kind of my take on the church part. Don't let money get in the way of sharing God's truth with others. So I mean. Uh, I think that sometimes with people, um, we get caught up. So let's say you own a business or you're a part of business and your whole mind is that you want to make as lot as, as much money as you possibly can. And so you are driven, you're focused, maybe you have two jobs, maybe whatever it is, but money is your goal. And, and I think, again, this verse might be talking to you like, Hey, that's not what God's looking for. God's looking for your heart. And, and you don't want to make it where your money becomes your main focus, where God has to come and overturn your tables. And, and I think that we lose our witness for that. And so people, if you're trying to be a witness for Christ and you're trying to do that and you're, you're, you're spending time with them, but your whole conversation is about how successful you are, how much money you make, or how much you're doing this, or how many material things that you've watched, or how many vacations you've gone on, I think you're setting yourself up for failure because people are seeing your your passion and everything about you is about money, and they're not hearing that your passion is about glorifying God and worshiping Him. So, yeah, I think in many ways, these the table, these money changers in today's society, it just looks. And I don't, maybe it's just me, but I'll see people in in the church setting, and I say church, I mean this, you know, the meeting place, the sanctuary. And they're talking business, and they're really passionate about their business, you know, whatever it, whatever it happens to be. And, man, I just, I cringe when I see that. Oh, yeah, especially when a pastor does that, too, when they yeah. talk about money all the time. It's just, yeah. uh, it's just, no, I mean, and, and I go back to this verse. I mean, this this text, every time I kind of see that, it just, I don't know, there's something inside of me. It's just like, oh, that's just, it's gross, right? We've got to be really careful about that. We're going to talk about how our body's the temple here in a few minutes. But if our body's the temple, then we want the temple to be worshiping God. And so we want people to know us as worshipers of God. We want people to know us as light givers. 
you know, to the darkness. They don't, we don't want people to see us as greedy and hungry for money and all about ourselves. We want to see, we want people to see us as sacrificial and, and giving and, and long suffering in, in the things of what God is. So, all right, let's move on to the next statement. Something to observe in Jesus cleaning house. He was careful not to destroy anyone's property. This was, this was fascinating. Yeah. So he did not release the dubs, for example, but he did make it clear he was in command. Remember, he got the whip. And, and he did the whip and he's just, you know, he's smacking the whip around. I'm, I'm in command. He's, I can picture that like Indiana Jones with the whip running the animals out. He's doing something here. His goal was to show these religious leaders that the temple was his father's house. And he would not have them pollute it with their money-making enterprises. And so, again, it's, you know, talking about the temple and talking about the church, um, I think that you know, it's uh, the church is an, uh, you know, or the temple was an indication of the spiritual condition of a nation. And, and I think that Jesus saw the temple and what they were doing was a reflection of their people in itself. And I think that's kind of what he was getting at thought. Think about it this way. Mm. People are coming to the temple because they're, they're seeking truth or they're seeking, uh, they're seeking God and they're encountering something that's not of God. And I, again, I get, it's just, we got to be really careful. I don't, it's easy to just think, oh, this was 2,000 years ago. We still do this today. And I, th- I just think we got to be really careful with that. That's all. Yeah, I just, I wrote down a couple of statements, you know, kind of reminding, you know, the condition of the nation. So regarding the riches part, you know, the Jewish leaders were worldly minded, minded whose main desire was to exercise authority and get rich. I think, that, you know, a lot of, there's some pastors today that they don't get dirty with the people. You know, they don't roll up their sleeves and, and do the hard work. You know, I asked, you know, hey, we're going to serve today. And I said, well, is the pastor going to be there? And a lot of times the pastor isn't there. And and I think the pastor should be in the front lines. The pastor should be the one that's, that's not lording authority over people, but are humble and broken and doing the dirty work and the humble work. Um, and, and so I think this is kind of the opposite of what's happening. And the pastors are lording it over. They're wanting to get rich. They're, the, you know, the leaders. And Jesus is not not happy with that. You know, Proverbs 28, 20 says, A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. <laughs> and it, and again, it will catch up. You know, I heard a quote one time says that, you know, everybody pursues rich to be happy, but once you're rich, you're not happy. <laughs> you know, and, and so it's like you don't realize it, but it's the pursuit of it. And, and it's not that money makes you happy. What makes you happy is worshiping God. What makes you happy is letting God be God. And letting him supply all of your needs, letting him lead you and guide you in every moment of your day, that makes you complete. That makes you joy. But the pursuit of riches to make you happy, it doesn't do it. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I've heard I've heard it said or put this way, that the difference between the rich and the poor is the, the poor still think money can bring happiness. Right. The rich know better. Yeah. yeah. It's the truth. <laughs> it and so truth. it's a lie of Satan. And so people believe, oh, I have to have money. I have to live and survive. Well, the, the truth of the matter is maybe yes, but the truth of the matter is, well, no. Because the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all things are added unto you. What that word all means is all. That means all of your finances, all of your needs, everything God will provide. You are working not to make money. You are working to bring him glory. You are working to fulfill the purposes that God has for your life, to speak life to people, to be a blessing to people, to be the very best worker that you can so that God is glorified in what you do. The byproduct of that is God will use that 
to f- supply your needs, to give you money. You don't focus in on that. So I, I think this is, Jesus is, is really pressing in on this and just saying, hey, I, that, we don't want that. You know, G.K. Uh, Chesterton said, we do not want a church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. Like it. That's really good. So, I mean, that's kind of the heart. Of you, it. you just mentioned something about fulfillment. And I, I know you made a note here that we should go through um, parts of Psalm 69, not read the entire thing, but there's some cool things in here. Um, this is one of those things they call a messianic palm, a psalm, psalm palm. Yeah. yeah. Um, just meaning that it's referring to the Messiah, right? So this is verse 16 at the very, or verse 17, John 2, verse 17. It, uh, John brought up, he says, the disciples remember that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So that's re- referencing Psalm 69, 9. And so that's where this whole thing called, talking about God's zeal. Well, what zeal? You know, so let's just read that. That's really cool. So let's read um the the different psalm uh, diff, different messianic psalms in, in psalm 69 and then also let's read where they're fulfilled okay yeah well go let's for start it. um 69 4 says more in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause mighty are those who would destroy me those who attack me with lies what i did what i did not steal must i now restore yeah so we're doing so again we're going back and we're so psalm 69 the disciples realize that hey this is this is a song of jesus well there's more psalms of jesus in psalm 69 so psalm 69 4 it was fulfilled in john 15 25 says but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled they hated me without a cause and so right there, David wrote this way long time ago, and then it was fulfilled. All right, Psalm 69, 8 was also in there. Read that. I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. That was fulfilled in John 7, 3 through 5. It says, so his brothers said to him, leave her and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works is secret if he seeks to, to be unknown uh, openly. If you do these things, how yourself show yourself to the world. For not even this his brothers believed in him. So again, the psalm the psalm was I become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's son. Well, right there, it, it was fulfilled in John seven. We're gonna read that more. It's so crazy. David wrote this a thousand years before, yeah. right? Just, yep. just that's how you know that it's it's God, right? Yep. Next one, sixty nine twenty one. This one, I mean, this one hit me. Yeah. <laughs> they gave me poison for food, and for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. That's Psalm sixty nine twenty one. Yep. That was fulfilled in Matthew twenty seven thirty four. They offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. So isn't that funny? Ugh. So here it is. The disciples are are listening to God, but later, once he rose from the grave, their eyes were open. They're like, yeah. "Oh my gosh." Here this is, is this is, is a fulfillment of prophecy. All right, yep. one more. All right. Um, 69.22 says, Let their own table before them become a snare. And when they are at peace, let it become a trap. Yeah, this was uh, fulfilled in Romans 11.7-10. It says, What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly, they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened, as it is written. So again, it's it's talking about they were trying to find the truth. They were trying to live by the law. And what ended up happening is their hearts became hard, and they became bitter, and they became further away from God instead of closer. So Jesus is basically saying they didn't find peace. It's just a trap. The religion is a trap. It's not. There's no peace there. Only Jesus can bring you peace. Only surrender in him. You can try to work your way to heaven all you want. It's just a trap. It's not going to bring you peace. Only Jesus will. That's what it's saying. 
Isn't that cool? Yeah. I mean, how many times do you have somebody come to you and just say, you know, well, I, I don't believe in religion. And I'm like, yeah, great. Me too. No, I, I tell people I hate it too. I hate it too. I hate religion. It sucks. It's awful. Yeah. I mean, Jesus came to get, I mean, I think that's one of the pictures he's trying to share with us here in, in the temple. I mean, there's the money changer thing, but he's also kind of breaking down the temple yeah. because that's where they thought God dwelt. It was like the representation of where God dwelt. All that's about to change. Yeah. Right. Because where does God do, where does God dwell now? In our hearts. In our hearts. Yeah. And and again, it's it's you know re- religion. The definition of religion again is like rules and regulations that are that are man made set up so that we can understand who God is. And, and that's where religion is, where Jesus is completely opposite. Jesus is pursuing us. We are accepting his pursuit. We are adjusting to what he's already doing. We are, we are responding to the love that he's giving us. We are responding to how he's providing for us and taking care of us. That's what we're doing. We're responding to what he's doing. It's, it's, we're, we're living in victory of what his, what he's already accomplished. We're living according to that has nothing to do with our efforts, has nothing to do with what we've done. It's always about what he's doing and what he has already done. So we have to understand the difference. Oh, good. And that leads right into this, our next statement. It says, when Jesus cleansed the temple, he was declaring war on the hypocritical religious leaders. And it ultimately led to his death. His zeal, there's that word again, for God's house did eat him up. Yeah, so that was the last part of it. So remember in in the last verse 17, zeal for his house will consume me or eat him up. Yep. Well, there it is. So so basically Jesus zeal was to bring the father's will upon the earth. He he accomplished that. Jesus Jesus I only do what I see my father do. Whatever my father does I do. And so I I I am obedient to my father and I'm bringing the father's will. I'm sharing God's truth to the world. And the world did not receive me. And so he had a zeal about it. He was he was contagious. He was passionate. But ultimately, what happened? It ate him up. His zeal got the best of him. Ultimately, the people won. And he died. But what? three days later, <laughs> he is what? victorious. He what? rose from the grave. All right. All right. Let's move on to our, um, verses 18 through 22. All right. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. I, I could just picture them like, what? <laughs> the Jews then said... I would have. Right? The Jews then said, because I don't get it. I mean, yeah. at this point, they don't understand what he's saying. But it's just funny how Jesus answers the question. Yeah. The Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. I love that. You know, they believed again. Again, it opened up their eyes. Oh, my gosh, Jesus was talking about that. We understand that now. But but, but in the history says that Herod started around 20 BC building this temple, and about AD 64, he finally finished it. So they're saying about 46 years. So they, they were looking at it from... You know, a logical Wait, do that standpoint. Math again? <laughs> I know that's what I say. They it doesn't it is more than what they were saying. So they were saying at the time of was forty six, but it but from history it, it was actually a little bit more. It took a little bit longer for them to finally finish. There was probably construction still going on uh, during Jesus's day, but Jesus was actually predicting the end of the Jewish religious system. He was basically said because remember when he when he died that the temple the the in the holy of holies it yes. ripped from top to bottom. Right. So he was basically saying, listen, the religious system as you know it, leaders, is coming to an end. 
And, and he was telling them, it says in three days, this, this temple is going to be dead. He's saying, because of my body, <clears throat> sorry. And because of what I represent, the temple is going to be transferring from this place to your, to your being, to your temple as you as a body. So it's logical for the religious leaders to ask Jesus to, to show them, you know, the sign of his authority. You know, after all, they were the guardians of the Jewish faith and they had the right to test any new prophet who appeared. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians one twenty two? he says, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. So, you know, that's kind of, you know, it, it makes sense that they're asking that. So it would be normal for them to ask. Yeah, that. It was I, almost a, a right. I mean, anybody that was coming up that was a prophet, they would they would question him in that way. Yeah, they just didn't, they didn't see it the way that he saw it. He was like, what the heck? You know, they're like, how the heck is that possible? But they didn't understand that, you know, he's talking about death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah. They didn't get that. They didn't understand that the temple, once it's done with and it's no longer relevant and that it's transferring over into the God's grace covenant that he has with the people, they didn't get that. They didn't understand that at all. And most of them didn't. The disciples didn't. The disciples didn't understand that until Pentecost. They finally, their eyeballs went up. Oh my gosh, we finally get it. Yeah, because they they clearly didn't understand it because when he's when Jesus is arrested, they, they, most of them scattered. I mean, Peter and John kind of hanging out, watching what was going on, but the rest of them kind of scatter. And then even even Peter denies them three times. That's that famous story. So, yeah, they don't get it yet. Well, they were even But blind. they're about to get it. They, they always asked Jesus for a sign. They were always asking him. Yeah. They, Jesus only did one other time as a sign. It was in Matthew somewhere talking about Jonah. Remember, he says the sign is of Jonah. And, you know, he was in the belly for three days and three weeks. And signs, yeah. It, again, representing... He, but the burial and but the they missed they missed the whole miracle part, and we're going to study next week in Nicod- with Nicodemus yeah. that Nick. I think the reason, and we're going to see in this a little bit, but I think they missed that. Wait, all these miracles are not signs enough. The lame will walk. Remember what he told John the Baptist? Well, what do you, what do you see? The lame will walk. You know, the, the deaf, blind the see. blind will see. The deaf will hear, and all of that was taking place. Those were signs, and and John is constantly showing these signs, but they were oblivious to it. And again, he gives them one of the biggest ones of all that, hey, I'm doing away with this and I'm bringing a new a covenant to the people of Israel and to the world. So they just missed that. All right. What's the next statement? Jesus used the image of the temple. You, get, you see that one? No. To oh, yeah. Convey, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, Jesus used the image of the temple to convey this truth. Destroy this temple, my body, and in three days I will raise it up. Being spiritually blind, they did not see the spiritual no. truth. And that's kind of what we were just talking yep. about, and interpreted this only in the physical way. Man, we still do this today too, right? We we think of things and we see things, and we only measure them in the physical. When Jesus is working in the spiritual, and a lot of churches are not spiritually minded. A lot of churches are focused in on the physical as well. And we, as the body of Christ, have to understand that we are when we were given our life to Jesus, we became born again meaning that we became spiritual and that if we want to approach God, we have to approach him in the spirit. We have to, the Bible, we've always said this on the show, you have to come broken and contrite before him. And in a humility, an attitude of humility, a attitude of honor is how we now say, I'm denying myself. I am now acknowledging that I am not God. I am not worthy. And I am now acknowledging that God is, and I need him. And so I can now approach the God through that measure. And that is a spiritual mind. And then we also have to keep saying is, okay, what is God saying? And, and everything that the, from a spiritual standpoint will always bring him glory. 
So if he's saying that, you know, in three days, I'm going to bring this down. Well, how is that going to bring him glory? We have to understand that he's talking. Well, now we know and the disciples know that after he died and rose again in third day, it's bringing him glory is because God brought in a new covenant. He brought in a new standard. He brought in a new way of life. And that is what we have to see in the spiritual. So when Jesus tells parables, it's a spiritual thing. Go ahead. And what were we going to say? Yeah, this, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. This yeah. will probably be in three or four podcasts. But this verse just jumped out at me while you were talking. And this is in uh, John 4, verse uh, second half of verse 23. It says, For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in Always. spirit and truth. Always, yeah. And so, you, if you if you want to read your Bible and you're not asking God and the Holy Spirit to help reveal to you, then you're going to read words. Yeah, you need the Spirit's help. And then, and if you think that you can approach reading God's Word in a prideful way, without being broken and contrite before Him, then you're not going to hear it. You're just going to see words. You're not going to understand. You're going to think God's this judgy God. You're going to think he's horrible and all these things. But you have to understand, everything about God is love. Everything about God is kind and gentle and faithful and true. And if you're not seeing that God, then you're not seeing it through the eyes of the Spirit. And and only through what Jesus did are we able to now have the Holy Spirit in us as our temple. And that's what he's talking about. So our temple now is our being, our body. And we now have the very essence of God bringing to light all things Jesus. And so that we can now interpret, we can understand, we can live a life that's superior to anybody that's in the world. The world can only give you a copycat wisdom. Jesus gives fresh insight, fresh understanding, fresh truth every single day to the believer. If we will respond and operate and live in the spirit. If we don't, we don't have any of that. We don't. But now because of what he did, we now have that. I think that's why you can be reading the Bible and maybe you've done this. Uh, I know I've done it. You're just reading it and it just doesn't make sense. It's frustrating and it's it's just like, man, I'm just, and you're just, because you're doing it in pride or you're doing it in the flesh. Yeah. You're reading just to get it done. You're not... checklist, yeah. Yeah, so this is a big deal. So what Jesus is saying, this this part of Scripture, we have to, you know, most of the time we'll just read over it. Oh my gosh, in three days, oh, I know what that is, and then we move on. But what we're doing right now is we're stopping and we're meditating on this part of Scripture. We're we're slowing it down and we're saying, no, this is like, this is a really big deal. Jesus is giving us wisdom and, and understanding of the things of God. And, and because of what he did, we now can, you know, operate and function with the power that God gives us. We can now operate and function with the mind of Christ, where before we couldn't, but now we can. All right, let's go on to John right, 2. 20, yeah, 23 through 25 says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. Pete, I have glossed over Mm. these three verses my Mm. entire life. Mm. This has a whole new meaning preparing for this podcast today. Yeah, it's, it's such a, it's a sad statement actually. And it's a big deal. You said something earlier or you quoted somebody earlier. And I think this is where it's going to come into play about unsaved believers. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. So, I mean, it's it's safe to assume by this verse that while in Jerusalem for Passover, Jesus was performing many miracles that are not given in detail here. 
It must have been the signs that attracted Nicodemus in John 3, 2. Because of the miracles, many people professed to believe in him, but Jesus did not accept their profession of faith. Why? And, and, you know, the the Bible, you know, again, this is, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying, unsaved Christians, is people believe that, you know, I, I said this to a bunch of men a few weeks ago, where I said, you know, we've... We believe in the works of God. We believe that Jesus is real. We believe that the Bible is true. We believe that going to church is good. We believe all that stuff. But when you really examine our life, we don't know Jesus. We, we, we believe in all that he's doing, but we really don't have a relationship with him. And, and the reason why we don't have a relationship with him is because we haven't surrendered over our lives. We haven't let him be God of our lives. We haven't, we haven't stopped existing for ourselves and started existing for him. And, 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 and you know, we, we might say what we do. We might justify in our heart, oh, I go to church. I read my Bible. I do all these things. But then the next question is, is well, that's great. But what has he been saying to you? How is God talking to you? How are you in fellowship with him? What is he saying? And, and a lot of Christians are like, uh, I don't know what he's saying. Well, didn't you just read his Bible? Didn't you just spend time with him? And what is he saying? Or did you just read words and, and believed what it said, but you don't have that fellowship? Because if you had a relationship with Jesus in such a way, you will be adjusting your life and living a life that as Jesus taught us, that I only do what I see my father do. And, and, and I want to know my father. And so as my father is leading me, as he's sharing things with me, I am being obedient and sacrificing my life so that he would be glorified. Any other thoughts with that? Yeah, I've got a couple, Pete. I mean, this just reminds me, and this is, this is tough. I mean, people don't want to hear this, right? right. Um, but I think, and we, we talk about this all the time because I think it, it just, it breaks our heart. There's so many people that think they're Christians, that say they're Christians, that don't know Christ. And it always, uh, it always brings me back to Matthew 7. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, this is Jesus, I never knew you. Depart from me, you works of lawlessness. To me, that's one of the saddest, uh, heartbreaking parts of the entire New Testament. Yeah, there's there's people that are living on their works and on their merits. They're, they they believe they're saved because of that, and but they don't hear and they're not walking in the spirit. You know, I asked, I always ask the question: Well, God tells me to love, am I loving? God tells me not to lie, am I lying? God tells me to you know not be angry and upset and 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 lose my 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 control or or, or bash people or talk bad about people. Am I doing that? You know, these are all testimonies that I, I could say that once I was like that, but God has changed me. And, and now I don't want to be harsh to people. I want to love. I want to show forgiveness. I, and this is not just words that I'm saying. This is, this is words that I'm speaking because it's true and it's because I've been changed. Yeah. And I have an intimate relationship with Jesus and, I'm, and I want to be like him. I want to know him more. And, and so, I, I mean... You know, an unsaved Christian is one that goes to church and all this stuff, but they still have a foul mouth. They still are, they still are living a life that looks much like the world. They don't, they're, when people examine their life, 
they're not, they don't see a love. They don't see gentleness. They don't see the kindness of God. They don't see the long suffering. I wouldn't, I don't know that I would say unsaved Christian. That sounds because that's kind of like, uh, they're opposites, right? Because a Christian is saved. I don't know. I think that might be a confusing way to put it. I don't know. I would say, I like the the term unsaved believer. The reason why I said unsaved Christian though, is because they're calling themselves a Christian and I'm, and I'm saying, I'm questioning are they saved? Because yeah. a person that's saved, Jesus is saying it here. Yeah, he's saying that you're you're believing everything that I'm saying. He's he's telling the people, hey, you're believing everything, but I don't know you. Yeah, I know your heart. Your heart isn't a broken and contrite like spirit. They're following the signs. They're following the the show. Yeah, but there's no relationship. So so Jesus yeah. told some parables in such a way that he challenged them, and Jesus does the same thing with people, where he talked about the bread of life, and we're going to get into that, where, where they said in John 6, 6, 6, it says that they all turned away from him, you know, because he was talking about hard teachings, and he did it on purpose because he wanted to show that their heart, they believed in his miracles, they believed in his goodness and in all the stuff that he's saying, but their heart was not to really follow him. They didn't trust him completely, and yeah. that's what he's saying. I, Paul, I think, gives us kind of a picture of what this looks like too and again this is this is tough guys i mean if the, if this is convicting you i mean don't i mean you know nobody's judging honestly we're trying to we're trying to wave a red flag because we we just fear there's so many people that think they're going they think they're going to heaven and they're not but john or paul in galatians um five and you guys have probably always heard about the fruit of the spirit right love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control but right before that in verses uh 19 he kind of shows the other side of that. He goes, now the works of the flesh are evident. And, and then he describes them. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, um, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division. Any of this sound familiar? Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He's given us a picture of what the flesh looks like. So. I, I remember asking myself, I, I remember sitting in my office one time and I says, Lord, you tell me that I'm supposed to love people, but I don't love people. And, and I, I mean, truthfully, I mean, I, I thought about it. I get angry with people. I was like, I was ruthless sometimes. I, I wanted to control them. I wanted, I thought people were stupid. And that was kind of my mindset. That's how I went through. I can't believe that you would offend me that way. How would, how dare you talk to me like that? You know, you should have done it. Your laws said that you're supposed to do it like this, and you didn't do that way. And that's that was the way I lived my life. But I was I was an unsaved Christian. I was a Christian. I called myself a Christian, but I lived my life in a way that I didn't know God. I did not hear what He was saying. He did not change me. He did not transform me. He did not, he did not put in me, I did not experience God's love in such a way that I was able to love people that were hurting like I was. And so I know that you, it is hard and, and it is a little bit, you know, harder teaching, but John, John believe John was basically saying miracles and his works help people trust Jesus, but he was making it clear that it does not save them. Hmm. And so what saves you is spending time with Jesus and knowing him. What saves you is crying out for the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and in helping you experience his love so that your life is transformed. That's that's what we want, a transformed life. And if Barry was here, that he would say that he's doing a series on 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 a transformed life at his at his um, new church plant. And and that is really what is the difference is is your life being transformed? Are you different today than you were last year? 
Or are you the exact same? Are you all about, hey, I have knowledge. I know what the Bible says. I know about Jesus. I know all the knowledge. I know all the verses. I go all the things. But then when I ask you, what is Jesus telling you now? What is he saying now? And then, or if I might say, his, where's the love? Where's the gentleness in your voice? I hear a lot of words. I hear a lot of, you know, you're very smart, but where's the fruit of the spirit? Where is it? Because if you are saved and you are following Jesus, you automatically have that. And so, all right, let's, let's go to the last uh, closing statement and, and then uh, let's close out. <clears throat> Do you have that? Yeah. There are many who want his works, but few who want his word. Seeing is believing is not a Christian approach. The Bible says we must first believe, then we will see. Miracles and, the sign, uh, miracles and signs of wonders we experience in our lives can only lead us to the word, but we have to lay down our lives to receive it. God knows our heart. He knows the truth about us. You know, in in uh, verse uh, three, in chapter three, verse thirty-six, it says, "Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see the life." So I think too often we think knowing is you know believing is knowing, but it's not. Believing is obeying, and that is the key. And it's and it's so. I I pray that the Holy Spirit would have uh, speaks to people today. I pray that. Um, they hear the heart of God. God loves you. He cares for you. He desires intimate relationship and fellowship with you. And he desires to change your life. He desires to bring a supernatural experience. He wants you to be filled with joy, unspeakable joy. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have a gentle, kind heart. He wants to give you love, love that's agape. It just, it's a love period. It's not a love that you you deserve, but it's just, he just wants to give you love no matter what. But, but you have to lay down your life. You have to surrender it. You have to stop believing the lie that you're saved. You have to acknowledge that you, are, you need to be broken before him. You have to acknowledge that you can't do it on your own. You need his help. You need the help of the Savior. You need the help of your best friend, and that is Jesus. And and if you're listening today and you don't know him, you can do it right now. You can just confess in your heart. You can just deny yourself at this very moment and say, God, I thought I was saved, but I realize that maybe I'm not. I need to confess my sins to you. I need to cry out for mercy from you. I need to plead for forgiveness of my sins and doing it my way. And God, from this day forward, I choose to honor you and to worship you every day of my life. I choose to spend time with you and to get to know you and read your word and study your word and and to allow your Holy Spirit to take ownership in my heart. That's what you want to say to him. You just want to confess that before him. You just want to say, God, forgive me, help me, and believe. And then more importantly, go and tell somebody. Jesus says, don't keep it to yourself. If God has changed your life... If God has transformed you, if God has spoken to you deeply today and you're, and he sees your heart and your heart is wicked, but now it's been changed and that has happened, go tell people. As we talked about at the beginning of the show, I, I, as I would tell an atheist, listen, you might come at me one way, but all I can tell you is the word of my testimony. I was once blind, but I now see. I was once angry, but now I have love in me. I was once, I could not understand my life, but now I have purpose. God has changed me. And I want to share that with as many people as I possibly can. And so if God has changed you right now and you sense it in your heart, go and share it with people. Go love on people as Christ has loved you just now. 
And so we would love to hear about that. If that is you, please contact us. Reach out to us. Go ahead and go onto our our Riot Podcast website at riotpodcast.co. Go to Know God and and click on that button and, and it says that I gave my life to the Lord and fill out that sheet and we would love to get in contact with you and fellowship and rejoice with you. And, you know, the Bible says you give your life to the Lord, all the angels in heaven rejoice. You know, there you might have thought you were saved and you weren't, but now you've given your life and you surrender and said, I want intimacy with God. And you said that just now and you're doing that, all the angels in heaven rejoice. Amen. How exciting is that, Bob? Thanks for listening, guys. Have an amazing week of worship. Be blessed. And share the show with somebody. Yes. Thank you, guys. Be blessed. This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of The Riot.